we grieve the life that we expected our child to have, that we thought was going to be for our child and for us. And you don't receive the support that you would in other forms of grief. Ten years ago, I was venting to a friend about mom life, and she said, motherhood is a blessing and a privilege. And immediately, I started tearing up. My grief buttons were pushed. Because at the time, I didn't feel my altered motherhood experience was a blessing and a privilege. She went on to ask if I was okay, essentially if this grief was normal among moms with my story. And it didn't feel very caring or empathetic. It actually felt judgmental that I should be over it because it had been nine years since we received Ryan's diagnosis. While that exchange was very painful, it made me want to be a student of grief. I made it my mission to normalize grief in disability motherhood and give moms permission to feel the waves of cyclical grief without any judgment. I'm Jessica Pate, your host of Brave Together Podcast. This is our practical episode this week on grief, and I'm so glad that you are here today. Our guest and grief expert, Megan Crane-Russ, will help us flush out different types of grief. She explains disenfranchised grief, which is a term that was new to me. And it's a grief that comes, but it's not accompanied by the usual supports and attention and attentiveness. Megan's favorite quote on grief is this, grief I've learned is really just love. It's all the love you want to give, but cannot. All that unspent love gathers up in the corners of your eyes, the lump in your throat, and in that hollow part of your chest. Grief is just love with no place to go. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the show this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. One of the greatest things about having this podcast is that I get to meet all these people who are doing such great things in the world and in the disability world and in the mental health world. And I am so thankful to you and all that you're doing. And today's topic is is one that comes up a lot. And of course, when you hear it or you see it in a title or you see it in a blog post or article, our immediate sort of reaction is, you know, we don't want to, I don't want to go there, but yet we really need to understand it and normalize it and know how to work through it, especially in our community. So I'm going to let you go ahead and, and jump in, Megan, and share with us your expertise. I'm so glad you are here. Well, this community, you know, mama's parents taking care of kiddos with special needs, medically complex, these parents are extraordinary. And what they face day in and day out is really so much, right, to wrap your heads around unless you're in it. And there's so many different emotions that are at play. And one of them that I think is a little bit sneaky because people don't we don't quite understand it and all of its nuances is grief. We often think of grief as um, the emotion, the response that you have following a death of someone, right? Very, someone dies, you grieve, end of story. 
And it's actually a lot more complicated and nuanced than that. There, there is normal healthy grief response, right? Where like, let's say your 99 year old grandmother dies, right? She's lived this long, beautiful life. She's come to the end of it. You were expecting it. It's in the normal course of how things are supposed to go in their natural order. You miss her dearly, you know, but you are able to continue on in your life. You feel an acute grief reaction over time that fades. You have sweet memories of her. You might tear up, but you continue on. You're not impaired in your sadness at all. Right. That is very normal, healthy grief. That is just a human response that doesn't need any extra support necessarily. Humans just grieve. We've grieved for thousands of years. Anticipatory grief is the grief that you have in anticipation of a loss. So let's say grandmother was sick, right? And you're sick, you're preparing for her loss, you're anticipating that she is going to die soon, and you're wrapping your head around that, right? Mm -hmm. You're anticipating Mm -hmm. the loss. And anticipatory grief actually prepares you for having a healthy, normal grief process. Complicated grief or prolonged grief is when that normal, healthy grieving process, something gets messed up. So either the type of the loss, whether it was sudden, maybe a suicide, you know, traumatic, something complicates that grieving process. And you might need additional support, whether from a therapist or a grief support group. Your acute level of grief is longer than what is normal in a typical healthy grieving process. What would be an example of that, Megan? Yeah. So, you know, say a year out from the grief, from the loss or so, you're still really low. It could look like depression. It could feel like it's really related to the loss. That you, There are parts of the loss that are unresolved. There might be elements of trauma in there. There might be elements of guilt or responsibility that may or may not, you know, that may not be warranted, but wrapped up in your grief and it really impairs with your ability to function. You're not back to baseline with your relationship with your life the way it was. Not to say that grief ends, but this grief, you're stuck in it. Okay. So disenfranchised grief is something that we don't often talk about. Disenfranchised grief is the emotional feeling you have, the grief that you have after a loss that is not acknowledged socially accepted or publicly mourned. So examples of this grief, this type of grief could be miscarriage. For some people, pet loss. For some people, loss of a partner, like if their family didn't acknowledge or accept. Loss of a close friend or a colleague. You you really shouldn't be that sad about losing that person, right? They weren't, it's not like they were your mom, right? Well, this is a very important person to me, right? But you're not allowed to grieve them in the way that you would. You don't receive the support you would Mm -hmm. in your grief. If it was, you know, a sibling, say, or your parent or something like that. This is also, this world of disenfranchised grief is also where we grieve the loss of function. We grieve illness that is with us. We grieve loss of ability. We grieve the life that we expected our child to have, that we thought was going to be for our child and for us. That's it. I mean, that's that's our community. And you don't receive the support that you would in other forms of grief. For example, the mama who is sitting at her bedside, having just gotten a diagnosis of her baby of it could be anything from a 
congenital heart disorder to, you know, a genetic disorder to an extreme premium, Mm -hmm. right? This was not how it was supposed to go. This was not what I dreamed. This was not what I expected. This is not what I prepared for, right? But the response that we give that mom is, well, at least your baby's alive. At least you have your baby. It's, It's a crime. It is a crime. Please, nobody say at least to anyone in any circumstance ever. Please, that's your hot tip of the day. Ugh, yes. It's so yes. painful. Yes. Yeah, it's so painful because what that mom is feeling is grief, right? Yes, absolutely. And then that grief comes over her again when she is out in the world and sees other moms other families living what she had expected her life to be like, or when she continues on with this beloved baby and sees the struggles that they're having, that she can't fix for them, right? She can support them, but she can't wave her magic wand and give this child the life that she had dreamed for this child. And as you know, you get smacked with that over and over. And over. Really throughout your child's life, Ryan's going to, Ryan's 19 and it it still hits. It still hits when you see other families sending their kids off to college or, you know, talking about the empty nest and that's not going to be ever our, our story. And so those grief buttons can get pushed again. And we just, we just all need permission to grieve, which is what you're giving us. Yes. And that's what it is. I think people, you know, it's this, idea of disenfranchised grief. It is mm-hmm. a form of grief, right? And the way that we work with grief is through processing it, expressing it, right? Yeah. So normal, healthy grief response, you progress in your grief because you express it, right? You get it out. You talk about your loved one. You cry. You experience those emotions, right? The same is true with disenfranchised grief, recognizing, wow, this is another sign of what is a loss of what I had hoped, what I had I'm going to grieve this for a minute and be joyous, right? Both and or not be joyous and just grieve, right? But that you have the permission to do that regardless of what our society is expecting of you, right? What everyone around you says you should be doing or feeling. There's always a tinge of grief and that's normal. It's okay. It's just kind of underneath the surface and then it bubbles up and then it goes back down below the surface and then it bubbles up and then it, you know, it's, it, it comes in waves. There's so many word pictures. There's so many ways to describe it, but it does come and go. It is not a linear path to complete acceptance. I'm over it. I'm good. I'm grateful. My child's a gift and I'm fine. And to place that expectation on yourself is so unfair because when you don't meet that expectation or you feel that expectation from others, then you heap a pile of shame on yourself. And that's just horrible. Yeah. And you can't actually adjust to what is. You can't really, until you ex- express the feeling of the loss, the feeling of the grief, you can't really adjust to to accepting that this is where we are and it's okay, right? It's okay to be sad about it. It's okay to grieve it. And it's okay that this is where we are. Megan, if we tend to shove it down, whether it's cultural, familial um, pressures or just kind of our own our own defense mechanism that we stuff, 
how would you recommend that we get it out? Because it's the only way, like you said, to move through it. We have to express it. So for those who are afraid to express it because of the pain or because of, you know, expectations they place on themselves or other people or culture, what are some things that we can do to just get it out of our bodies? First is recognizing what it is, right? Permission mm-hmm. to have grief in these situations, right? I often talk with parents about the living path and the grieving path and that these are two paths that go on indefinitely together and you pop back and forth whenever you experience a loss. So like getting a really terrible diagnosis for your child, whatever that may be, right? Life is not going to be the same. This is a loss, right? Boom, up comes your grieving path. And you are there immediately. I'm sure if you remember back Mm -hmm. in those first months and years, you were consumed with grief and what your life, what life was going to be like, right? And to feed yourself, grocery shop, take care of yourself in your home, do the living past things, it was agony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you just wanted to be on that grieving path. You needed to be on that grieving path. And then as time went on, it was easier to be on the living path. And then there were moments where your grief would come up and you would find yourself on that grieving path. And you go back and forth between the That's two. such a good, clear picture of what it's like, Megan. And those paths go on indefinitely, like a parallel forever. And so acknowledging, wow, whew, I'm on the grieving path right now. And the only way off this is for me to express it. So whether that is with other parents I know that get it, right? You know, whether you journal, whether you just cry, right? Put on some music, just expressing the emotion. Think of it like literally is like pulling the grief out of your body, right? However that looks. I like that. Whether that's verbally processing it with someone, you know, crying, being in your body, breathing, walking, you know, support group, whatever that looks like. But it's, I, it's literally like taking this emotion that is grief and getting it out. Or like on an instant pot using the little, the little pressure <laughs> release, right? And like letting off some of the pressure. Don't do a full, like don't a full release, but just whoosh, letting some pressure off, getting it out. And I know it sounds really simple, but it's, that's how you process grief is just expressing it. Nobody cries forever. I have no, 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 no one to never stop crying. That's right? good to hear because sometimes we do. We feel like if I let it out, I'm just never going to get out of this bed. But that's not true. Yes. It's actually the opposite, right? Because you keep, unless you get it out, you stay weighted down by it. It stays inside you and weighs you down. Megan, can you speak to the feeling like, well, what I've heard mothers say is that they feel guilty grieving the child that's in front of them. Like, you know, and they put a a negative spin on their grief, that they're not allowed to grieve because they have their child in in front of them. So there's guilt mixed in with that. And that also serves to shove it down. Yes. And it's a normal human response to feel that way, right? Yeah. We don't go through life looking for really difficult challenges and taking them on, right? Like the challenges of like, that these our families face, right? We don't go through life like looking for opportunities to go through that and experience that. It's not human nature. It is human nature to face adversity and think, 
gosh, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my child? So we need to normalize that. It doesn't mean you don't love your child. It doesn't mean you're not thankful, right? But in fact, acknowledging that, that that's just how our brains work, accepting that so that you can adjust to what is. So one model for grief that I like to tweak for families um, with kiddos with illness or disabilities is called the tasks of mourning. And so the tasks of mourning for a loss, a death, is to accept the reality of the loss, process the pain of the grief, adjust to the world without the loved one, and remember your loved one while moving forward. If we put that on its head a little bit and think about our families, right, and adjusting to the kiddo that they have, accepting the reality of what is versus what was supposed to be. When you found out you were having this baby, you spent however long dreaming about what your lives were going to be like together. That's what was supposed to be versus what is. Accepting that reality. Processing the pain of what was supposed to be versus what is. There is some pain in that. And that's okay. That's normal. Adjusting to the new normal. But until you acknowledge and accept that what you have is not what you were expecting, and that's okay, it's when you deny yourself the ability to acknowledge that, right? That that's where the shame piece comes in, right? How dare you? No, 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 no. This is a normal human response. It's okay. And in fact, you might not be there very long, but if you feel like you need to go there and, and express that, then you get to express it. And there's no shame in that. It's a normal human reaction. And then you find your way forward. I mean, that's what this community is all about, right? Like, okay, here we are. How do we do this, right? And we do this together. And just to know that other people are experiencing the same thing, even though their life is different, their caregiving is different, their child's diagnosis is different. We all experience that grief and that loss of what we thought our life and our family life and our child's life was going to look like and feel like and sound like. And it's okay. It's okay to say, this wasn't what I planned. This wasn't what I dreamed. This wasn't what I wanted, I wouldn't necessarily choose this, but this is, this is our life. This is our life. And yeah. And it takes a while to get to that place of, okay, we're going to be okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, grieving is a critical part of that. Like you can't actually get to the, we're going to be okay part without feeling the loss, right? acknowledging this isn't what we expected, but we're going to be okay. True. So Megan, I know that we've talked about this probably throughout our conversation, but I just want to make sure for our listeners that they really hear this. And you, in your work, definitely debunk the myths surrounding grief. And I just, it's, I think it's really important for us all to hear that again, because culturally, we are messed up in how we approach grief and how we handle our grief or try to move through our grief or not move through our grief and all of it. And so could you just go through a few of those myths that definitely trump us up? Absolutely. One of my favorite things. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so first of all, myth to be debunked, number one, that you can only feel grief if someone has died. Mm. You can feel grief in lots of situations for lots of things. That there are defined stages of grief. You know, people are probably have heard of the five stages of grief, which is kind of the first foyer into helping people understand grief by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. That, you know, that name 
think probably lots of people have heard about. And she did studied these, you know, and published these five stages of grief, which actually those stages relate to people who are dying, not people who are grieving. Um, so the th- denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, those are those five stages that people kind of get stuck up on. I should be going through all of these. That research, that paradigm wasn't developed researching people who are grieving. So it doesn't apply to grief. So there are no stages. There are no like checklists that you do to grief. It's not a linear process. Like sometimes you are in a really good place. Maybe you're on that living path for a long time and then something happens. There's another complication. Something else comes up. You have another type of loss, right? That rekindles old grief and you're more acutely on your grieving path for a while. So it's, it's not forward only, right? And this goes into it. The myth that at some point you should not be grieving anymore. The grief somehow ends. That's such a big one right there. Right there. Yes. Back to that grieving path, living path, right? Indefinitely. Are you acutely grieving forever? No. Will you forever have moments where you are in your grief? Maybe even just little seconds? Yes. Is that normal? Yes. And the way to get through those is to acknowledge what's happening. Name it. Wow. I'm in my grief right now. And that's okay. And the way that I continue on is by expressing it, however that looks to me. Megan, what do you recommend when people say the wrong things to us who are outside the disability community, maybe who've never experienced loss or they've experienced different losses, right? They haven't experienced the loss that we're experiencing, caring for a child with unique, extra, or extreme needs. How can we be gracious to other people's really not understanding what we're going through? You know, I, I know that that, that misunderstanding or uh, lack of ability to have empathy or really, you know, put yourself in someone else's shoes, this community feels that in so many areas. <laughs> yes, of life, yes, right? yes. In addition to their grief yes, experience. so right? true. And, and it depends, you know, I, my advice would be the same as any other area. What's your bandwidth in that moment, mm-hmm. right? How much do you feel like you need to educate that person? And it might sound like, wow, yeah, you know what? It's still, a, this isn't what I had hoped for, right? This is not what I want for my child. And it's okay to feel the loss in that. That's what I'm, that's what I'm feeling right now. You know, or you, maybe you haven't experienced something like this. But I'm living it, and it's my emotional experience, and it's my experience with my child. I mean, there are so many times, right, where, like, whether it's a look or even just, like, being not shunned, but, you know, having someone avoid interacting with you or, like, talking around whatever is going on with you, everything except for how is your your child, right? Because they can't actually tolerate engaging with you about your child, right, and the the struggles that you have there. And so it's your bandwidth in that moment, right? And maybe that also looks like, I don't need to engage with you on this. I'm going to go to my support group and be with my people who get it, right? right? Or I'm going to be with my therapist. And I always talk about in Beauty and the Beast, the the little glass case that's over the flower that we envision ourselves in this glass case. And that the things that people say to us that are insensitive, just like come up and hit against it, right? But we don't let it in. Oh, that's good. And we really know it's more about them and their lack of understanding, maybe insensitivity, right? 
And whether we want to make this a teachable moment, that's back to the bandwidth that you have. And I'm sure you've experienced many moments where you've had the bandwidth to have a teachable moment for someone and experiences where you have not. And the same is when you're experiencing your grief. Because as soon as you're with someone who gets it, right, as soon as you're with your community, they get it. And it's safe. And it's okay. And I think that's often why we see moms let down at a retreat or at a support group because they are among people who who get it. And it's a safe, safe, sacred space. As it should be. Yes. Yes. Well, Megan, thank you so much. And where can people find you if they have questions or they want to see what you're up to or if they're in your area? What city are you in? Tell our listeners. Yeah. I'm in Sacramento, um, but I, I'm in private practice and see clients throughout the state of California. Um, I'm licensed in California as a licensed clinical social worker. So my website, www.mcrlcsw.com, the best place to find okay. me. Okay, we'll make sure we link that up in our show notes as well. Thank you so much for normalizing grief and helping us learn how to process, push through, work through, express, get it out of our bodies, and just know that this is just a part of the journey. Again, I love the living path and the grieving path and they're side by side. And you just had a beautiful way of really explaining that. And I appreciate it. This has been just an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Megan. I know we'll see each other again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Did you know that Brave Together podcast is an extension of a nonprofit organization called We Are Brave Together? We Are Brave Together is here to combat isolation and compassion fatigue and burnout that moms face by offering support groups, resource groups, retreats, and retreat scholarships. If you have never heard of We Are Brave Together, please go to our website today, wearebravetogether.org. And if you're a mom who is seeking support and sisterhood, please fill out the little pop-up form so that you can be a part of this community. Please check out everything that we are offering on our website today.